today, we are celebrating the first anniversary of an event that is not just unique and important, but until a year ago, it was in fact unprecedented. For many years and many reasons, there have been warm and meaningful relationships between Israel and the Jewish people with Native Americans. But a year ago, one of the most unique and I would argue most significant developments took place. The passing and publication of a resolution recognizing Israel as a sovereign Jewish nation and Jerusalem as its eternal and undivided capital. And this was done by the Cherokee tribe of Northeast Alabama. No, it does not have the status of moving an embassy and the Cherokee tribe does not have a seat or vote in the United Nations. But it was the first such resolution introduced and passed by a Native American tribe ever. That's important to Israel and the Jewish people, but there is something unique over and above when a nation finally recognizes Jerusalem as Israel's capital and even moves its embassy here, coming from a major tribe of indigenous people to the United States and recognizing the indigenous relationship and re- that we have as the Jewish people to Israel and Jerusalem as its undivided capital. This should be logical and intuitive, but it's particularly important when people, entire countries, and a variety of anti-Zionist movements seek to delegitimize our very right to be here. Stay tuned as we discuss the first anniversary of this incredible resolution, how it came about, and what to look for in the future as a pillar of building relations between Israel and Native Americans, along with indigenous people from all over the world, and something becoming much more common. Shalom. Welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein, and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean mountains here in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible Belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis 123 Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. I pray that you will find this, all of those. Through this program, we're excited to connect you to people and stories in and relating to Israel to give you a window to look through, experiencing aspects of life here that you might not otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com and send along any questions and any comments about any topic, anytime. Or you can reach us at genesis123.co or follow and like Inspiration from Zion on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay tuned until the end of the program, where we're also going to share some exciting offers and opportunities with you. And please feel free to share this with people who you know who will also find it of interest. So I'm excited to introduce our two guests. First is Consul General Anat Sultan Dadon. She assumed her position as Consul General at the Israeli Consulate in Atlanta in July 2019. Consul General Sultan Dadon joined the Israeli Diplomatic Corps in 2004 and has held various positions at the embassies of Israel in Cameroon, Germany, the Netherlands, and Australia. At the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Jerusalem, she has held the positions in the Euro-Asia and the Asia-Pacific divisions. She's also got a BA in psychology and education from Hebrew University, and then received a master's in criminology with high honors also from Hebrew University. In 2020, Consul General Sultan Dadon was honored at by Morehouse College in Atlanta 
with the induction into the Martin Luther King Jr. International College of Ministers and Laity. In her current role in Atlanta, she's responsible for promoting, overseeing, and advancing all aspects of the bilateral relations between Israel and the seven states covered by the consulate in Atlanta, including Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky, Mississippi, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Tennessee. She's married to Yaron, and they have three tremendous little girls. Seth Penn is the government affairs liaison of the Cherokee tribe of Northeast Alabama. He was born and raised in North Alabama and is enrolled as a member of the Cherokee tribe of Northeast Alabama. Seth grew up with parents who continually lobbied on behalf of Israel and the local Jewish community. This passion to help serve a people with whom Native Americans have so much in common is one he embraced from his parents and which he hopes to continue for years to come. Seth served as government, as I know, Seth serves as governmental affairs liaison for the Cherokee tribe. Through the years of service and sacrifice, Seth has dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of those indigenous to the United States of America. Currently, Seth is enrolled at Western Carolina University, majoring in natural resource conservation and management with a minor in Cherokee studies. Now, before we begin the actual conversation, I just have to add a personal note um, as to why this is an especially meaningful and important conversation. Back in the late 1980s, after graduating Emory University, I had the privilege of my first real job serving as information officer at the Israeli consulate in Atlanta. It was one of the best and most significant jobs I'd ever had in my whole life, and I worked to promote Israel in a positive light during a time that's now known as the First Intifada. I also worked with the first Arab Israeli to serve as head of a diplomatic office overseas. And during that time, I was heavily involved in the packing and moving of the consulate from its old office on Peachtree Street to its current location. While I was not a diplomat, and in many ways I'm still not very diplomatic, I learned a lot from the senior diplomats with whom I had the privilege to work and developed a huge appreciation for the work of all of Israel's diplomatic corps. Some of the most important people in building relations for Israel around the world, and sadly, sometimes most of the underappreciated. Finally, and most consequently, working at the Israeli consulate in Atlanta is where I began to understand the significance of Christian love for Israel and Christian support for Israel and the Jewish people, and where God called me to be a bridge between Jews and Christians. Having said all that, I just want to welcome you both. I'm so thrilled that we have you as guests and, and, and the two of you together for what I know is going to be a really engaging conversation. So Thank I you. want to I'm glad to be with you. We're, we're very glad to have you, uh, both of you. Now, what I want to start, and maybe, I mean, Anat, you've been uh, in, in Atlanta since 2019. And I, as I was reading the bio, I realized that's a consequential time because a lot of that was also uh, involving rela building relations virtually, I'm sure. Can you both individually tell me how did you connect? Uh, where, where did that relationship begin? Um. Sure. Um, I can say that uh, indeed I arrived uh, in 2019 and had about six months of uh, meeting people in, uh, in person before lockdowns, etc. But actually, um, following the very significant uh, resolution by the Cherokee tribe of Northeast Alabama, uh, we reached out to them 
and um, arranged to meet in person. And I had the pleasure of then uh, visiting them uh, for the first time. It was still during COVID. We made it, uh, we made it work nonetheless. Awesome. Seth, had you worked with, uh, with previous consul generals or other diplomats in the Atlanta office? What was your connection previously? So personally, I had not, but uh, my parents, as I mentioned, have lobbied on behalf of Israel and the local Jewish community for most of my life. They had somewhat of a relationship with past consul generals in uh, in northern Alabama. So that's kind of our connection to the consul general's office there in Atlanta is just our close ties with the local Jewish community and uh, relationships that they had with the office. And so that is how we got connected and uh, began to establish our relationship and our friendship is what I like to refer to it as, because I do uh, consider a not to be a personal friend and uh, her staff there as well. Know most of them personally. So that's kind of the backstory on that just a little bit. And COVID has made it interesting. It's made for a lot of virtual meetings, but we've managed to to in safe ways of uh, practicing social distancing at times and masking. And now as we've uh, drifted a little bit from that, but still being safe uh, and efficient in our meeting manners, been able to come together in person a lot more too. So that's been great. You know, I just want to add to what you said or, or underscore something when you and I met a few months ago in, uh, in, in Alabama, I was interested to hear, I mean, great, great getting to know you, but it was so interesting that, even when you speak about a knot and your friendship, you're obviously talking, you're talking about a representative of the state of Israel, but your whole body language changed. It's one of warmth. And I really like to know it's amazing how, uh, how to see that kind of on a personal level over and above the diplomatic, uh, components. I remember that fondly. Anat, what's it like? I mean, you're coming here, coming here. You're, you're, you're coming to Atlanta. You're certainly not a, a, a new diplomat. And arguably, this is the first time that you're dealing with a certainly a Native American tribe, but but even in the sense and the uniqueness of indigenous people in another country. How has that been an experience for you that's unique in the diplomatic world? Well, I, I, I will address that, but I will open uh, with saying that um, I not only view uh, Seth as a friend, it was also very, very evident uh, to me um, when I first visited with uh, with the, the Cherokee tribe of Northeast Alabama uh, that we are amongst friends. Yeah, uh, and that uh, that friendship uh, has has grown since, and uh, and it is one that I that I cherish and and appreciate. I will say that um, um, it is, of course, my uh, my my first encounter. This is the first time that that I've been posted to a the United States, and so it is my first encounter with a with a Native American tribe. It, since we have met uh, others as well, um, but I can relate, and we, the Jewish people, can relate to a people that have had a very, very close connection to the land and have maintained that close connection to the land because in many ways, that is a very strong component of our Jewish identity. We were exiled for so many years from a land 
that we hold dear, that we are so strongly connected to. And it is a part of our cultural identity. It is our, a part of our peoplehood. And in that regard, I think that, um, that we share, uh, share a lot in common. I will also mention that while this was my first um, posting to the United States and encounter with the Native American tribe, uh, one of my previous postings was to Australia, where oh. I did enjoy uh, learning about and getting acquainted with Aboriginal Australians. Um, and that that as well is a story um, that uh, that resonates and I think where we find common ground as well. That's fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, as you as you said it, it clicked. Absolutely. Um, t- I, I want to digress, but it's so interesting. And with me, I mean, I'm not a diplomat and only worked there for a couple of years, but how uh, no one's worked with Seth before prior to you, but other diplomats in the U.S., have worked with other Native American tribes. What what one insight would you, if you had all of the Foreign Service on one Zoom meeting right now, what's one insight that you can share that all Israeli diplomats should understand about Native Americans and working with Native Americans? I can speak for myself, but I have to say that that um, really this is, in the end, the essence of diplomacy and what we all practice, because diplomacy in the end is about connecting with people, connecting with cultures, and finding common ground with different communities, with different peoples. And so uh, just like we have done that uh, here, uh, that is basically what diplomats do uh, on, a, on a regular basis, no matter where they're placed. Awesome. Awesome. I want to take a minute, you know, we've, in the introduction, I mentioned why we're speaking and the significance of the resolution. And we've each spoken about it. Let me take a minute to read it. And, and then I want to maybe unpack it and talk about the significance of it. Um, it it's tremendous. Uh, it, it, it's entitled the Cherokee tribe of Northeast Alabama resolution, recognizing Israel as a sovereign Jewish nation and Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Whereas throughout history and its entire existence, Jerusalem has not only been the capital of the sovereign Jewish nation of Israel and no other nation. And whereas each sovereign nation under international law may designate its own capital, and whereas Israel through its entire existence has declared Jerusalem to be its eternal undivided capital. Now, therefore, be it resolved by the tribal council of the Cherokee tribe of Northeast Alabama in unanimous agreement that we do recognize Jerusalem as the eternal undivided capital of the sovereign Jewish nation of Israel. In addition, we vow our full support in the pursuit of the peace of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel by whichever means may be necessary. Be it further resolved that a copy of this resolution be sent to all proper government authorities for the recognition of its passing, adopted and signed September 25th, 2021. Wow, Seth, I'm getting, when I think about it, you shared it with me, I read it, I read it, maybe not in preparation enough for today's conversation. It's, it's historic, it's incredible, but I'm getting chills just reading it. Can you help us understand a little bit about what the background, what was the origin of it? How did it, how did it even begin to come about and when? Yeah, so uh, to answer that in a short version is, um, obviously I grew up being raised around lobbying for Israel and the Jewish community 
And so something that the state of Alabama did was pass a resolution. And I felt like God put it on my heart that we could pioneer that as a indigenous nation doing that for the first time. And the key wording of eternal undivided and the pursuit of peace by any means necessary is what separates this document from others that have been issued. Yeah, it's amazing. When, when did it, when did it begin to crystallize? It was, I mean, it's, I'm sure you didn't wake up on a Sunday and have it done by Friday. Yeah. So to answer, to answer that, uh, it was just something, like I said, that was kind of, I guess you could say years in the making. And then when the time finally felt right would have been, um, August of 2021, it just felt like it was needed. And, uh, it was took to the tribal council discussed with them and they, uh, unanimously agreed that it was the time for that. And so it all seemed to come to full fruition and all the timing seemed to be right in August of uh, 2021. And then in September is when it was actually signed uh, on the 25th of September. But in August is when it was voted. Amazing. Anat, you mentioned that, you know, after you read it, you reached out to Seth. What was your, you, you see a resolution from a Native American tribe. You already, you're already now in the U.S. about two years uh, what was your first response and, and, and how was it received in the foreign ministry? I found it to be a beautiful gesture. Um, and I think that Israel uh, and the Jewish people know how to appreciate such gestures. And while I uh, expressed my appreciation to the tribe in writing, I wanted to do so in person as well. And so that is what we did. We reached out uh, and very quickly uh, arranged a uh, arranged an opportunity to meet in person. Um, I and, uh, and our consulate team were beautifully and very warmly received by the tribe. And I will say very honestly that it surprises me even to look back and realize that only a year has passed since that first encounter because Seth and I both can attest to so many more encounters that we have had since then and so many meaningful interactions. And so uh, um, I I look back at this uh, and remember the appreciation, but I also appreciate everything that we have managed to do together since then. Fantastic. I want to take a break. We're going to uh have a quick announcement and then we're going to come right back when you think of jerusalem you probably think of its historic and biblical sites run for zion is a trip unlike any other you will join tens of thousands of israelis interacting with jerusalem as you never have and never imagined you would you'll connect with and bless israelis of all backgrounds if you've never been to israel and are dying to come visit or haven't been for a while and can't wait to get back run for zion is the opportunity for you and now If you register today, you can join us for as little as $29. Yes, that's for real, just $29. Run for Zion is a pilgrimage and service experience that gets you out of the tour bus, interacting with the people and the land. Check out runforzion.com for details and come run for Zion and bless Israel with every step. You mentioned, as uh, by the way, uh, as Anat was speaking a minute ago, I have to tell you, 
um, I, I was envious of you having that those experiences that you're having. But I remember when we met the first time a few months ago, Seth, you were saying that it was intuitive. You just kind of underscored that, that this was something that had been in the works for a while and it was the right time. But not everyone thought that it was such a great idea. Can you talk about some of the pushback that you got? Yeah, so um, I'll answer this question the best I can in as uh, less of a controversial way as possible. But uh, what you deal with a lot of times when you're dealing with Native Americans or indigenous people to the United States is there's a big movement here in the U.S. called Land Back. And Land Back basically encompasses the idea of let's get back land that was stolen and taken from us, whether that be through legislation or through purchasing by whatever means necessary, let's get that land back. And part of this movement has been adopted into the ideology of the Palestinian people are indigenous to what is now called Israel. And Israel came in there and colonized those people, similar to how the French and English did the indigenous people here in the United States. And so a lot of Native America believes uh, a pro-Palestinian agenda and ideology. And also you have to remember that a lot of indigenous people in the United States live in very rural areas with very little news sources, newspapers, and some don't even have TVs and stuff. So uh, if the only news that they're reading and, and seeing are these more pro-Palestinian agendas, then that's probably going to be what they really believe. So I think anything that we can do as me, a, a native indigenous person, and then with a not being a representative of the state of Israel, anything we can do to bridge this gap and and promote the truth of what we're facing and dealing with us as indigenous people to the United States and Israelis as indigenous people to Israel, then I'm all for that. And so that is really what this was about was was promoting that. But when you do that, obviously that opens the door for people who don't support that same ideology and don't have that same desire in their heart. So yes, I did catch some, uh, some negative flag for what I did. Um, and I knew that was coming. And so I did my best to prepare for it. And, uh, I don't have any regrets for the resolution. I answer for, uh, what I wrote and I stand behind it a hundred percent. And I've been very outspoken that I will not say I'm sorry for what was wrote in that resolution. And I'm glad that it was voted on and I'm glad that it passed. And uh, as long as I am uh, in leadership with with my tribe and around here on this earth, on this side of eternity, I plan to fully support the state of Israel and our local Jewish community there in Alabama. That's incredible. What what kind of positive feedback did you get? Did it trigger other people, other tribes uh, jumping on board or thinking about such a thing? Yeah, so um, one thing that it did, and you can view it in a, a negative viewpoint or you can view it in a positive viewpoint, but I'll choose to view it in a positive viewpoint as, yes, it did get other tribes talking. Some were mad, but at least it got them to discuss this topic and put some time and effort into researching it so maybe they could be a little bit more knowledgeable on the topic and maybe they 
they will change their mind or even if they don't agree with me necessarily and our tribe's personal beliefs that maybe they will at least have a very well educated reason of why they stand behind the viewpoint that they do so i think that a discussion was definitely started amongst tribes i mean the press coverage was international so a lot of people around the world i mean i go places and they recognize me from the magazines that we were in and and it's been really amazing to uh to have these conversations and to be thanked places I go for standing with Israel and for, for what we've done uh, personally and my family and for our tribe, you know, and that's definitely been, there's been a ton of, of, of positivity out there. And to me, it definitely outweighs the, the negative because I believe that, you know, that unity and, and love will always outweigh the, the bad and love will always prevail. So most certainly there's been a lot of positivity well, that's amazing. You know, and not, I, I, I know you're, you're a diplomat. You have to be prepared for everything, but I wasn't really planning on getting personal. But as Seth is speaking and speaking about us, which we know as the indigenous people of the land of Israel today, uh, personified, if you will, by the state of Israel, I'm thinking of my own background. My father was born there. His parents were, were fortunate enough to hear, I forget where I am. My father was born here in Israel. Uh, his parents were fortunate enough to flee Europe um, before the Holocaust. I'm curious, what's your, what, what, you're, you're a native Israeli, unlike myself, but where did your family come from and when? So I think that uh, um, as we celebrate soon, Israel's 75th Independence Day, um, it is really, really important to emphasize that indeed we are celebrating 75 years um, of the independence of the modern state of Israel. Right. But our history goes far, far, far beyond these 75 years. And in many ways, it is a miraculous achievement that we have managed to come back and reconvene in our ancient homeland. And so my father's family immigrated to Israel from Egypt. My mother's family immigrated to to Israel from Iran. My husband's family immigrated to Israel from Morocco. Wow. And that really is the story of our people. We were exiled for so long, though we always maintained presence in the land of Israel and in Jerusalem. But through persecution and exile and pogroms and Holocaust, we found a way to reconvene, regather, and regain independence and regain control of our identity and our a destiny in our ancient homeland. And I, I find that to be truly remarkable, uh, coming together from really from all corners of the earth back to our ancient homeland. And so it is my personal family story as well. Well, so that's why I wanted to ask you because because I'm remembering my grandmother who died when before I worked at the consulate before I finished college, and my grandmother wasn't too trusting of non-Jews, and I wonder, I, I guess, but I didn't know your family had the diversity that it did. What what do you think that they would think if they were on the, our conversation right now, listening? about a Native American tribe recognizing and celebrating 
our independence and as you said coming up on the 40 uh, 75th anniversary how how do you think they would even be able to imagine that i think that they would look at this with much pride i think that the jewish people has never been about isolation we have always been about accepting the other, engaging with the other, respecting the other. And I think that that is true for the state of Israel. It is true for the Jewish people. And I think that that any such realizations of connections to other peoples, I think that that would only bring all of our ancestors much pride. Yeah, I I agree with you. It's it's, it's pretty amazing. And and Seth, I know you've been thanked a lot and recognized, and that's why I wanted to have this conversation, but but I, I don't think enough thanks um, for you spearheading this can be can be given. And and you said earlier that you wouldn't you you're proud of what you did, you wouldn't n- not do it, um, of course, because you're a tremendous man of principle and faith. Um, but but I hope people listening here are inspired by that and inspired by your what you believe and your determination, and that we can see other things um, come out of it. Let, let me ask you a question. What would, it's a year later. What a wonderful celebration, and how hard to imagine that it's only been a year. What would you like to see as the next steps? What's the follow-up? What's the long-term vision or plan? So um, first thing would be uh, going to Israel would be something that I would love uh, personally to uh, discuss the uh, the resolution and everything that took place. I think a trip over there to meet with a different delegation from our tribe to, to them would be a, a, an amazing thing to do. And so I would l- like to see that happen. And then aside from that, just continuing to uh, establish relationship here in the United States and then also furthering the discussion with uh, other tribes, hopefully, and getting them uh, to potentially discuss, you know, drafting resolutions and, and forming partnerships and relationships with, with not just Israel. I would like to see it expanded with other nations as well. So that's uh, how I would answer that. With other nations, meaning around the world? Yes, uh, internationally. And what's your sense? I know that when we, when we met, it was when I was speaking in a synagogue in, in Huntsville, Alabama. You're, you're deeply connected, your parents as well. But what's your sense of the connection in America between Native Americans and, and American Jews? I would say uh, attacks on uh, our worship are something that does not get discussed often, but we both have very much in common with fighting for the right to simply just express our faith in a traditional manner that our people have done for thousands of years. And aside from that, just the struggles of, of trying to fit into a society and a, a, a modern form that is not exactly the same of the traditional manner that your people come from. So we have that in common, just the right to simply fight for our existence to our land, but also our existence to religion, to language. Uh, there's just a lot of similarities there. A lot of similarities. What if, if you had a group? Maybe you just answered it, but I but I want to dig a little deeper. If you were on a Zoom right now with representatives of American Jewry and and Israeli Jews and Jews around the rest of the world, 
what what's the one or two things that you in addition to what you just said that you would impart to help us kind of understand that a little bit better well we may never agree on certain things you know like faith and uh and those types of things uh let's focus on struggles that we have gone through um and we view you as our our brothers and our sisters and i hope that you can view us in the same manner because that's how we hold you and uh also just uh tell our story because we're trying to tell yours so tell our story too how does i i uh, actually not you were just here in israel on a very significant delegation i knew that that's why we couldn't speak until now and i only learned retroactively what it was and how incredible that was um in, involving a lot of uh african americans and there's a unique history for a different conversation there but seth i'm wondering can you share what when a, when a native american looks at the the history of the jewish people and the return of the jewish people to its homeland to its indigenous land how does that how does that affect or shape one's thought vis-a-vis your own um I don't know. Existence isn't the right word, but I'll, I'll, I'll go with it. Your, 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 your place in, in your native land. So for me, it's, it's something that I look at and I long for more of it for our people here in the United States to, to be able to have the option to return to their traditional homelands where they can worship freely, speak their language freely and come in touch with what we like to call the old ways, those traditional ways of existence and of being that Unetlana, the creator, had for our people. So uh, that is what I would say to that. Let's look at what uh, the state of Israel has done and the Jewish people have done, and let's implement some of those same things, not just for our tribe, but for other tribes here in the United States, of having a, a homecoming and a returning back to the, the land and the ways that the creator gave us. Sure, beautiful. I want to take a break again for just 30 seconds, but um, but come back and not. I'd like... I'd like to know what your what we weren't planning on the conversation evolving like this, but I'd love to get your feedback on what what Seth just said. But let's just take a break for a moment. I want to pause in the conversation for just a moment to invite you to join us in one of the really incredible programs that we do as part of the Genesis 123 Foundation. This year, we have been going out all throughout the Judean mountains to show love to soldiers who are stationed keeping us safe from the threat of terrorism. It doesn't matter if we're in a burning heat wave or temperatures below freezing before the wind chill. They are out there guarding strategic points that have a high risk of terrorism. And thanks to the support of many people like you, we are pleased to bring them homemade hot soup in the cold of winter and cold drinks and sweet watermelon in the heat of summer. Any donation is meaningful and helps us to bless the soldiers. You can join us and donate at genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. That's genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. And when you do, you also have the opportunity to send along your own personal words of thanks and blessings to the soldiers guarding the land and protecting the people. Please join us. With tremendous passion about what we as a people and the the land and the state of Israel mean to him and native americans um what what do you take away from that how do you how do you your thoughts response what what should we be doing more 
that Seth has said. Um, and I think that it really is on all of us to do more to learn about one another, um, to learn about the struggles of others. And it is important, not only in recognizing their story and their identity, it is important also because we are not free of struggles yet. And it, the Native Americans are not free of struggles yet. And so there are current day challenges that I think um, are always better addressed when, uh, when addressed together. Um, one of the, one of the uh, beautiful programmings that we did together uh, was uh, bringing a floor meeting with the Cherokee tribe of Northeast Alabama, uh, an Israeli professor of linguistics. Uh, he's, wow. the chair, he's the chair of the linguistics department at the University of Adelaide, Australia, where he works with Aboriginal tribes in a reviving and reclaiming their a, their language and through that their culture and identity and um, he was here in the United States and it was an opportunity to have him meet with a with the tribe and see how maybe um, um, from his experience from Israel's experience and the Jewish people's experience of a making Hebrew a spoken language again how maybe, that could be of relevance or somehow help in the, the Native American attempt to reclaim language, culture, identity through language. That's extraordinary. What a great initiative. Um, that's, wow, you, that, that alone, you know, we're, we're far away from, from Pesach, from Passover, where we sing Dayenu, that that singing all the praise to God for all the things that he did and each one of them being enough. But I would imagine that that alone is consequential enough in your career to be able to say that that's something that I'm, I'm blown away by that. I think that's extraordinary. What would you like to see in the next year? We're now celebrating one year since the resolution. What would you like to see coming up in the future? I look forward to many more opportunities for encounters collaboration, learning about one another. And I am confident that we will have that because a, the, the friendship that we have established um, has already grown. I hope that we can a, a, a connect with other tribes we have already. A, thanks also to the relationship that has been forged with the with the Cherokee tribe of Northeast Alabama, we have already connected with other tribes, which is, of course, very meaningful and important to us because it is an important part of the American landscape. And he, being based here in the United States, it is very important for us to connect with the different communities that that are an important part of American society. 100%. Beautiful. Um, so I, I think I just want to wrap up. I have one more question that, that, that comes to mind, but um, we'll, we'll any, I always give a last right of, uh, for, for the both, for uh, con panelists to say anything that's on their mind that I might have missed. But Seth, I'm curious, you, you approach this importantly as a Native American, but it's also, and I, and I don't know how uh, overlapped they are, and I'd love for you to explain it. It's also a matter of faith for you. Can you talk about that? Yes. Uh, so 
I will be very honest in this interview of where I stand personally with my faith. So, um, my parents are pastors, Christian pastors back home in Alabama. Uh, myself, I was raised in a strong Christian household and, uh, I do acknowledge and believe in Jesus. Um, so I would say that my faith is in him, but I attend a, what is called a Native American church. So we incorporate, um, Native culture into our Christian faith. So it's a very unique dynamic. Um, and I represent people of all religious backgrounds. Um, but to me, yes, for me personally, uh, standing with Israel is something that we are commanded to do by our book that our religion is based off of. But aside from that, um, Cherokee people were called to, to walk what's called the white road. Um, you could call it the path of righteousness, doing what's right. But most importantly, it's about love and taking care of those in need and respecting the creations of God or the creator, whatever you would like to refer to him as. So for me, yes, I can say that I should stand with Israel because of my faith, but I can also just morally say as a Cherokee person, the right thing for me to do morally is to stand with the people who have been oppressed and had to fight for their existence basically as long as they have been around on this earth. So for me, it's faith, but it's also simply just the right thing to do as well. Wow, Seth, I want to thank you. What a, for, and thank you for giving me the privilege of being part of telling your story. Um, as we wrap up, is there anything that, that I've not covered that you feel that you would like to add? All that I would like to say, and we've talked about it a little bit, is just the genuineness of this relationship. You know, uh, this was a very heartfelt uh, resolution. and our follow-up relationship has been very heartfelt. Yes, we interact in political environments where we have to be more official and in our our diplomatic roles, but uh, some of the best times I've had with the Not Her staff were when we were at the World Games yelling and cheering on for for Israel, and I was yelling and cheering on for the Haudenosaunee Nationals, (laughs) and we were all hot and sweaty, and and it it was a great time, you know. We... uh, we are very personable people as indigenous people. And that's something pretty much every tribe is going to be that way. And I know Jewish, uh, the, the Jewish community is very similar. We, we love to share a meal. We love to talk. And, and so I would love to see people do that. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, regardless of where you're at in the world, you know, get to know the indigenous people in your area, in your country, wherever you're at, uh, share a meal with them. You know, we're all people. Like I said, there's certain things we're not going to agree on, but we can all agree on a good meal. So, so food, <laughs> uh, food, uh, food will bring you together. So uh, just get to know your neighbor uh, because well, we want to be your friend. So I, I, I love that. And thank you. And thank you for sharing that. And I look forward to being able to host you here in Israel. And I've already figured out based on the food uh, comment and being indigenous people, what restaurant I'm going to take you to which I hope we will enjoy. Um, Anat, you get the last word. Um, you're the diplomat. What, what, what's, been, what's missing from the conversation? What do you want to add? How do you want to help us to wrap it up? I think we've, I think we've really covered it all, and I um, appreciated hearing all of the, Seth's comments. Uh, I think the bottom line really is 
a, a, a more universal one. And it's about recognizing the other, getting to know one another, getting to know one another on a personal level, uh, being acquainted with our stories. And I think that that is, um, that is key to dispelling so much uh, hatred and division uh, that surrounds us all. Um, because when you know the other, when you realize how much we all have in common, I think that that really is what brings us together. And um, this example, this relationship, I think is is really a, an example of of how that uh, communication can bring two different communities together. Beautiful. Thank you. I, 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 I'm, I'm also so grateful for you and making time in your tremendously busy schedule, especially at this season and uh and and for sharing and 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 it just as a taxpaying israeli for being our representative there i'm very grateful uh you know it's interesting i normally have these conversations from my home in the judean mountains today i happen to be in jerusalem um and it's especially meaningful to have a conversation and if i'm pulling from pulling from the resolution a conversation from jerusalem the, un, the eternal undivided capital of the sovereign state of the nation of Israel. Uh, what a great place to be having this conversation. I also have to give a shout out for my temporary host. Um, I'm in the beautiful office of Shuta, which is an inclusion program for special needs children um, and young adults here in Israel. So thank you for that. Uh, as we wrap up, I always conclude by reminding people, we want you to follow inspiration from Zion. We want you to share the the link to this through all your social media. And so we always have an incentive to do so. Beginning this year, we created a new program, which is no longer new, called From Jonathan's Bookshelf. Every month we give away a copy of a meaningful of a significant uh, volume relevant to Israel. And all you need to do is follow and like inspiration from Zion and on our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And when you comment and share a link to the program there, we select one person at random. And this month's book, it could, couldn't really be more significant to our conversation. Well, maybe there's one. And if we find it, we'll give that away too. It's called I Am Israel, Believer's Guide to Rebirth of the Promised Land, which will also come with a copy of the, the corresponding film. We're grateful that this podcast is always sponsored by our friends at the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. If you're ever in the area and want to go in and say hi and thank them for helping make conversations like this possible, please do so. And also special thanks to the Coyne family for their meaningful sponsorship. Inspiration from Zion and all of the Genesis 123 Foundation programs are made possible by donations. So please consider joining us to help continue the dialogue and build bridges between Jews and Christians. This episode specifically is, well, it's, it's so timely and, and brings tear to my eyes. Today, as we air the, the, the episode on day one, it's also the anniversary on the secular calendar of two events that are significant in the history of the Jewish people and are interrelated. First of all, the beginning of the Yom Kippur War, in which Israel lost uh, over 2,600 soldiers, and 41 years ago, the assassination of Egyptian President Sadat. Um, I want to take a moment to acknowledge how, for first of all, our loss and pray that they will, they and those who we've lost this year will be the last ones and we will have peace as President Sadat envisioned. If you'd like to sponsor a future episode in honor or memory of a loved one or a special or historic occasion like this, please be in touch 
at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. We'd always love to hear your comments as part of a dialogue and invite you to send any questions as well, specifically questions about traditional Judaism for our Ask the Rabbi program. Please share this with others who will also find it of interest and continue to join us right here as we bring you more meaningful conversations about unique topics in and relating to Israel that you won't hear anywhere else. Wherever you are in the world, I pray that you and your loved ones are all safe and healthy and send my blessings from right here in Jerusalem, the eternal and undivided capital of the sovereign Jewish nation of Israel. Thank you and God bless you. Hallelujah, Al Masha'ya.